thank you so much for the time, man. I appreciate it. Oh, not a problem at all, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. We want to talk about the new album and the tour and everything. And, of course, the, the uh, Stephen Colbert thing and, and the killer Vanny he bought you. But I guess we should start with that. Is that the definition of, like, cosmically things happening? I mean, that wasn't anything set up by your PR team or anything like that. Just kind of happened no that that definitely happened completely organically and in my 20 years of being in this business uh, i've never seen or heard of anything like that happening you know it still kind of shocks me to this day the way it happened so Stephen colbert's writers they wanted to you know incorporate into his monologue something about the gofundme you know because they were kind of making fun of donald trump trying to raise money for the wall and so they just happened to go to the gofundme website and just by luck of chance our gofundme was the one that popped up on their home screen and so they read about it and they were like you know we could totally use this so when he first mentioned us you know we had no idea it was going to happen we were on tour and i started getting messages i got bombarded with messages like hey dude they just talked about you guys on on national television primetime television on the colbert show and i you know i shrugged it off i was like yeah whatever somebody's just messing with me right and they kept on coming in and kept on coming in and so i looked into it and somebody sent me an actual video clip of him talking about us and i was floored i was like wait you know how is this you know how is this possible and then they continued to write it in to his monologues numerous times after that like over the next two weeks he mentioned us probably another you know half dozen times and he actually started to announce like where we were going to be at on our tour and actually promoting our tour I'm sitting there seeing this and uh, you know just from my experience in this you know industry knowing how important and how rare that kind of um, you know publicity is and so I called our label and I'm like hey is there anything we can do to you know take this a step further you know we we love to you know come on the show or you know even perform and uh, you know it's great advertisement for our new record coming out and so so our record label's um, marketing team contacted Colbert's people you know put the bug in there and said hey the band would love to do something with you guys and so over the course of the next few weeks they developed a skit where we would come in and they would give us you know a van actually you know on the skit actually on his show still at that time we had no idea how in-depth it was going to be the fact that they were going to shut down the entire street in front of you know Ed Sullivan Theater and his entire film crew was going to be filming us and they even took it a step further and used his whole crew to do a music video for us. So it was really just all the way around. It was an amazing and unprecedented, you know, it happened completely organically, you know, back in the day. And I'm sure it still happens now, you know, record labels pay hundreds of thousands of dollars just to get their artists on to play one song on these shows. You know, we didn't have to do any of that. That's great to see it happen like that for, for a hardworking band like yourself and, and for it to be completely like cosmically just the stars align for a hardworking band. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely did. We're extremely appreciative of him doing that and, you know, all the staff and all the time and effort they put into it. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And what, what did you do a video? for with him what what tune it was for the first single that we released before the album actually released is a song called conquer this climb which is off our brand new record called because of the brave volume four which is out now everywhere on all platforms if you haven't seen it you can go to youtube.com and just search flaw stephen colbert and uh, a ton of stuff pops up <laughs> yeah i know i saw the the colbert stuff i missed the music video but i definitely saw the colbert which was awesome and glad to see the the flaw activity i mean it wasn't that long ago you put out the third album and and glad to see the 
that there's uh, lots of flaw activity happening, including this tour. We got you here in Southern California coming up September 24th at the House of Blues of Anaheim in the Parish Room. Next night at the Whiskey in LA, but wanted to talk about the House of Blues of Anaheim, and I think that's going to be Flaw's first time at the brand new House of Blues of Anaheim. Yes, it is. We performed at a ton of House of Blues all over the country, but never at the one in Anaheim. You know, like you said, it's brand new, so that's going to be our first time, and we're extremely excited. They're all great venues. They have great sound systems. You know, the staff really knows what they're doing. They take care of the artists, and uh, it's just always a great time when we play any House of Blues. Yeah, no, I remember you guys at the old one that was on the same lot as Disneyland. This one's like kind of across the street from Disneyland, kind of on the opposite side. I remember seeing you many times back in the day. Matter of fact, I remember running into Carrie King at a show. He went to see you guys there just because he had seen the music yeah. video and then was like, I got to see what this is all about and, and went and checked you guys out at the uh, old House of Blues of Anaheim. Wow. Back in the day, yeah, we did uh, some OzFest Europe dates with Slayer and uh, that was that was an amazing experience also. Crazy that that band is now calling it a career at the end of this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. We'll see. You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> there's been a number of bands that have said that it's our last tour and then, you know, they say it again a couple years later. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you tour for that long, it kind of becomes a part of you. You know, like, if you've been touring as long as they have 30 plus years, I guarantee you after those guys sit on their couch for about six months, they're going to go start crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure. I'm sure. Hey, you know, I'm curious, Chris, since we're talking about old shows and stuff, I imagine you're one of two ways. Either you remember, like, every show, like an encyclopedia or, or kind of they all blur together. Like, I don't know, ask me what I had for dinner two weeks ago on a Thursday night. I'm not going to remember. Where, where are you as far as when it comes to the old the old shows in the calendar and the in the Rolodex in your brain? Um, well, I, I'm kind of a mix. I'm kind of 50-50. There's a lot of shows that I'm sure, you know, have kind of blended into the others. And then there's ones that, you know, really kind of stand out that left a huge mark, you know, for me as far as, you know, my memories are concerned. You know, OzFest 2002 was, that whole tour was amazing. You know, getting to go overseas. You know, we hit all over Germany, England, Ireland, France. Holland, Belgium. I do still have pretty explicit memories of, you know, some of those, you know, bigger concerts. As far as like the club circuit, those kind of, you know, jumble together after 20 years, you know. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. But I wanted to try one on you just to see how, I, how, how if it jogs a memory or not, because it was kind of a weird one. I was working for a different radio station at the time, but we were supporting the first two albums. And uh, it's a weird one. It was Static X, Flaw, and a little band called Sugar Cult in San Bernardino, California. Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> in December, it was I December do remember 12th. That. One of the crazy things that, you know, stuck out for me about that show, one of the reasons I remember, not only because, you know, of Wayne's passing, you know, it kind of, it's one of those markers that, you know, helps you remember things. But I remember being out in the parking lot. I had just gotten off our tour bus and I was walking from, from the bus to the venue and I saw these guys up on the roof, like dressed in all black. And I was like, what? the hell's going on so i <laughs> grabbed someone else i'm like you see those guys up there and then i noticed you know they were armed and stuff you know so i went inside and i asked one of the security guys i was like what's the deal with the guys on the roof and he said that they do that for large you know events you know because it's a high gang activity area or something and they you know do it for the safety of the public that was one of the crazy crazier experiences <laughs> and i thought i was losing my mind when i looked up and saw these guys <laughs> any other memories from the show or did you get to talk to wayne that night or anything um I don't think, 
we talked in passing. We didn't actually sit down and have like an in-depth conversation. Was it dope on that show as well? Or or no, I think one of the guys from Dope was playing with Static X. Yeah, yeah, he was a guitar yeah. player at the time. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I, I did actually sit down and talk with him. He actually did uh, an interview with me for some website that he was running at the time. But I remember it was it was a it was a great show. It was a great turnout. It was a great venue, and there were no issues. And you know, ironically enough, you were like four months later, you were back at that venue with Il Nino. Wow, uh, we did so many tours with Il Nino. I can't even. <laughs> I, I don't even know if I could really specifically lock one of those stories down at this point. Well, talk to me about that tour. What do you remember most from, from that tour hanging out with uh, Christian? or? Well, those guys were always great. You know, I still talk to them to this day. They're just a lot of fun to be around. Our styles of music matched up really well. You know, everybody got along. You know, we were on Ozfest with them too and, and uh, we were on the side stage with like Down and Meshuggah and Hatebreed and El Nino and Apex Theory and got a bunch of others. But um, I remember, you know, the buses parked all next to each other in, you know, what they call bus on those big festivals and you know at the end of every night you know we would grab acoustic guitars and we would you know break out our grills and stuff from the trailers you know the only know guys would bring out their congos and bongos and stuff and we would just you know sit around the grills and sing songs and have fun and have drinks and eat food and it was really like a family almost you know all the bands on the side stage uh, you don't really see a whole lot of that anymore I mean not saying that you know that there's not still you know a lot of good people out there but, but there really wasn't any competition level you know like bands weren't trying to sound better than the other you know we realized we were all doing the same job and we all got along and it was a lot of fun community yeah yeah absolutely yeah that's one thing i'm bummed about man that it's been kind of a dying thing over the past couple of years at least here in the states is those big metal festivals we had Ozfest for so many years and then the mayhem fest kind of took that over and then there was some not fest activity and Ozfest meets not fest but I, I miss those big festivals like that where you could go and discover and learn about a bunch of bands you know go for one or two and end up falling in love with a bunch of bands you'd never even heard of before but i wish yeah, we'd get yeah, back I mean, to that still a lot of really good fest, but i do agree it, it, it was it was it was much more relaxed back then it wasn't as corporatized yeah um, you know ticket prices weren't as expensive and and uh, it wasn't twenty dollars for a you know four inch cheesesteak and <laughs> right um, so i mean it's definitely you know become much more corporatized now i mean you know we still do a lot of festivals i'm, I'm hoping that festivals like that make a comeback you know like like way back in the day when Lollapalooza was like uh, Lollapalooza one and two, I remember seeing seeing Tool on the side stage at like the first or second Lollapalooza, you know, before they broke, and so many good memories. And and it has become really corporatized now. So I hope it kind of you know steers back to the more fan driven, more affordable, you know you know family community type festivals. Yeah, we need corn to bring back family values or something. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of Tool, you, you mentioned it clearly a fan. Have you checked out the new album yet? Um, I haven't had a chance to, just to be perfectly honest. Getting ready for this next tour that we're about to start here in a few days and just finishing up on our you know brand new record. I'm, I'm the kind of person that when I'm focusing on you know my own music, I don't listen to a lot of other stuff because I don't want to be swayed or, or impacted by you know any other music right. you know, while I'm focusing on mine. So I'm definitely going to check it out, but I haven't had a chance to yet. As a fan, you feel a, a sense of relief now that you, at least an album has been released at 13 years later. You can at least take a deep breath. <laughs> yeah. I do. I mean, you know, I think that's one of those things where people have been waiting a long time. And uh, I mean, I know that, you know, you have to be patient, but 13 years is <laughs> 13 years is a lot. From what I understand also, you know, with them just making all of their uh, all of their previous albums available on a digital platform, uh -huh. um, I heard I heard that they're like 
knocking, you know, Taylor Swift off the number one download spot. And so I just think it's awesome, you know, that rock and metal is able to, you know, make a strong, you know, forceful comeback like that, you know, and, and you know, dominate the, you know, the billboard charts. And if we can get festivals back to the way they used to be and, you know, we can keep rocking the forefront of the, you know, popular genres of music, I think, uh, I think it'd be a good thing. Yeah, I think that Pendulum is going to swing back our way. I mean, Slipknot had a number one album with their new one and then Tool making all the noise. Right. You know, I, I'm hoping that Pendulum is going to gonna swing back the other other way. Chris, I won't keep you too much longer, but I do want to play a little uh, musical game with you. Like we're talking about being fans of music. We're all fans of music. That's why you do what you do. I do what I do, right? We're all ultimately music fans. So I, yep, absolutely. I, I want to play a little uh, music game with you. We all know okay. back back in the '80s, it was the uh, speaking of metal, the the big four of thrash metal, right? That was Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, and Anthrax. That was the big four they called it, and that kind of encapsulated '80s thrash metal. Yep. I've been working on what I like to call the evolution of that. So if that's 80s, let's kick it up into the 90s and add one to it for what I like to call the flannel five. <laughs> okay. So I'm curious. Uh, Seattle, right? Yeah. Well, not exclusively, but that's kind of the era I'm going for. So I have a list of, of what I consider the flannel five, and I want to know your numero uno, your favorite. Not that it's a tour or anything that could happen, but just your favorite. Chris's favorite out of Nirvana. Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden. Oh, man. Uh, so this is obviously this is a metaphorical situation, right? Just because of people that have passed on? Yeah, just your favorite. If, who's your numero okay. uno out of those four, uh, those five bands? Not that they could play no touring, no nothing. Just your favorite out of those. You, you can only pick okay. one band. It's, it's kind of close, but I would have to say Alice in Chains takes it. Me too, but tell me why for you. Well, for me, I mean, you know, honestly, you know, especially because, you know, I'm a singer, the feeling and the emotion and the harmonizing between Lane Staley and Jerry Cantrell was unmatched. I know that grunge was a new style, but even without the grunge style, just their ability to harmonize with each other and to come up with different, you know, feelings and, you know, portray different feelings with their, you know, with their lyrics and their harmonies was unmatched. The first couple records had a big impact on me and definitely had an influence on me as far as, you know, my singing style. And so, yeah, I mean, I would have to say hands down, Alice in Chains. Yeah, just uh, Lane and Jerry and those those melodies that they would do, those like haunting melodies were just Killer, killer. Yeah. Pick a uh, Alice yeah. in Chains tune for us to play on the radio. All right. How about uh, Dirt? Dirt. All right. And then uh, just to have some fun, too, if you'll humor me for one more of these, I, as I continue to evolve this, I got I got one more in the evolution. Sure. So that's kind of more early 90s. I'll, I'll take it to more late 90s, early 2000s, and add one to it for what I'll call the new metal six-pack. Okay. So this is going to be Rage Against the Machine, Corn. Lincoln Park, Slipknot, Disturbed, System of a Down. Ooh, uh, I'm going to have to go with Corn on that one. You know, when that first record came out, that hit so hard. I mean, especially, you know, in my age group, you know, I was already a fan of metal. But when songs like Blind came out and just yep. the raw emotion and the brutal honesty behind, you know, Jonathan Davis's lyrics and the simplicity of the grooves, that first Corn record definitely, I would say, you know, for me was it was hands down a very influential record also. And there was nothing else like it that even came close at the time. It just it just dominated 
Yeah, it was like, what the hell is this? What did I just hear? I, I think we're about the same age and hearing blind for the first time. It was like, what was it? Yeah. Was that metal? What, what? I don't even know what that was. What was that? And what was that like 808 doing in there and, and that hip hop beat for a second? And what, what are we doing here? It was a whole new yep. thing. Around that time period, you know, before I actually, you know, got into serious bands myself. I mean, I was always in, I was always in bands all like, you know, back to 14 and 15 years old. But when I started taking music more seriously and realizing you know that it could actually you know be a legitimate career say you know Deftones first record Korn's first record Alice in Chains first record you know they all had uh, Tool's first record they all had a very profound impact on the style of music that I ended up developing myself it'd be amazing if there was another surge like that obviously I don't know how possible that is that musical era there just around those bands first albums you know with grunge with the new metal it was probably some of the best years of my life and I wasn't even actually, you know, full-fledged in music myself at that point yet. Yeah, kind of like the next wave right after all that stuff. Hey, Chris, I appreciate all the time. Just in, in wrapping last question for you, just because football is getting underway. Are you a football guy? Do you have a team? Do you play fantasy or anything or no sports for you? Uh, no, I mean, I definitely love sports. Um, I don't really have time for the fantasy side of it. I grew up um, uh, right outside of Washington, D.C. in uh, Maryland. And so I'm a diehard, born and bred Redskins fan. Ah, any any hopes for the Redskins, or are you just going to hope for a better draft pick next year? <laughs> oh, geez. I'm hesitantly optimistic. I mean, I think, you know, we just got that Ohio State standout quarterback, uh, Haskins Jr., but yep. he's going to need several – He's going to need several years to, you know, develop in the NFL. So I think they already chose uh, Case Keenum as the starter. He came over from Denver. But, I mean, we have a really good – well, we have a pretty decent defense, and we have a, a really solid backfield as far as our halfbacks and running backs. Yeah. But I think as a whole, I'm not sure. I mean, <laughs> it's – you know, it's – it's the NFC East, so you know the Eagles are always strong every year. Yeah, you know the Cowboys are. I don't. I don't really know what the Cowboys are. If you want the truth, <laughs> I'm a Redskins fan, so I really don't like the Cowboys. Um, but uh, I mean, there's always a chance. You know, I, I, in the past 20 seasons, we've we've made you know the playoffs more times than not, but then we choke in the first or second round. Yeah. So. I mean, I definitely don't see a Super Bowl anytime in the next few years. <laughs> Need Jordan Reed to stay healthy for once, man. That guy's got all the talent in the world and, and can never seem to stay healthy. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a big problem for a lot of teams. Yeah, definitely a brutal game these days. Well, Chris, it's been a blast talking to you, man. I had so much fun. Dude, you rock. Thanks for checking out the entire podcast. Now just hit the subscribe button. That way you get it sent to you directly. And follow me on social media at Mike Z967. Don't miss the radio show, bro. Wired in the Empire happens every Saturday night at midnight on 967 KCAL Rocks online at KCALFM.com. Adios.